101.9 or on your computer, www.crtr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show coming up with Gavin Walker.
We'd like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and of course, uh, this is The Jazz Show, and we have uh, some of the very best in jazz music to present to you this evening. We have all kinds of things to do, as we usually do on the show. Later on, we're going to celebrate the birthday anniversary of one of the pioneers of modern jazz, who was really what Charlie Parker was to the alto saxophone, or Bud Powell to the piano, or Dizzy Gillespie to the trumpet. J.J. Johnson was to the trombone, and uh, he brought that instrument um, fully into modern jazz and became one of the most revered performers on that instrument. And uh, we'll be paying a, a tribute to him a little later on in the show. But we're going to start with our jazz feature this evening. And uh, this is part of our what we've been doing all month, our jazz features that, um, if you remember back in November, we had jazz features that were uh, dissed by the critics. Uh, they were put down by the critics but um, and, and given low ratings in the jazz magazines and so on, but became jazz classics. Um, the features this month, of course, are uh, recordings that were given the highest praise by the jazz critics, and they also became jazz classics. So... <laughs> there you go, just the opposite. This one in particular was wonderful, and I, I maintain that saxophonist Sonny Stitt was one of the most misunderstood musicians in jazz. Misunderstood because he was uh, right from the get-go um, when he emerged on the jazz scene as an alto saxophonist in the mid-40s. Uh, he sounded to a lot of people like Charlie Parker. And of course, people referred to him as a Charlie Parker imitator or a Charlie Parker clone. Nothing could be further from the truth. Sonny Stitt maintained that he listened to the same people as Charlie Parker did and was stimulated by the same um, musicians and had the same influences as Charlie Parker, so naturally there were going to be some uh, similarities in their style. But Stitt is a very, very different saxophonist, particularly rhythmically, uh, which is a little more hard to define and a little more complex to explain from Charlie Parker. He also had a very different sound. And uh, I, I defy anyone uh, to uh, misidentify uh, Charlie Parker and Sonny Stitt. There are some superficial similarities, but they're both very different musicians. Sonny Stitt in the late 40s, uh, after a, a brief, well, <laughs> I guess it was a little more than a brief incarceration for drugs, um, Sonny took up the tenor saxophone and added that to his arsenal and actually developed... Um, an equally wonderful personality on the tenor saxophone. And they were both all part of Sonny Stitt's um, overall personality. 
Um, his alto saxophone, to me, um, and of course being a, primarily an alto saxophonist myself, um, I loved Stitt's work on, on the smaller horn. Uh, it seemed more passionate, more intense, and more his sound was more uh, grabbed you. Whereas on tenor saxophone, he's more mellow and, and flowing. And yet it's the same guy. It's the same Sonny Stitt. Um, he also, in the early 50s, picked up the baritone saxophone and was a master of that instrument as well. But he dropped it uh, from his um, uh, in, uh, arsenal um, because it was just too heavy to lug around. Uh, that's, that's why he, <laughs> he didn't use it anymore, and he stopped playing it. But uh, he did make a few recordings playing baritone saxophone, and he was mean on that instrument too. Now, Sonny Stitt made a lot of recordings. He was not a joiner. He was kind of a lone wolf uh, musician, um, always was. And uh, he did uh, play in some significant big bands. He played in the Billy Eckstein big band uh, in the, uh, in the uh, early 40s, uh, revolutionary band. Uh, as a matter of fact, he took Charlie Parker's place in that band. And, uh, and then it went, he went on to play with Dizzy Gillespie as well. And, of course, Dizzy admired Sonny Stitt so much, and he said, you know, if Charlie Parker dies, you get the keys to the kingdom. That's a pretty high praise from Dizzy Gillespie. And Sonny Stitt um, uh, had to live with this uh, being an imitator uh, for most of his life, sad to say, but he was every bit, technically, the saxophonist that Charlie Parker was. He was absolutely amazing on his instrument, and people that listen to him now realize uh, what an incredible musician he was. Getting back to this lone wolf thing, he um, really didn't, uh, he wasn't a joiner. Um, he took John Coltrane's place uh, in Miles Davis's band for uh, um, a few months after Coltrane left, and but he didn't stay, and uh, um, uh, Miles, of course, went on to use other people. Um, Stitt just wasn't into uh, joining bands and rehearsing and all that sort of stuff. He much preferred to play with a good rhythm section, piano, bass, and drums, and, um, and just play. Uh, he knew thousands of tunes, and he composed. Uh, he wasn't really a, a masterful composer, but he composed tunes based on the blues or I Got Rhythm. And, uh, and recorded that way. He, he made scads of recordings, uh, quartet recordings, uh, in his long career. And um, he preferred that sort of casual um, environment, um, very little rehearsal, just go in with a whole bunch of good players to back you up and just play your best. And, and so many recordings were, um, were done that way with, with Sonny Stitt. He did have a, a semi-regular working band uh, in the late 50s. And that's going to be the rhythm section on our jazz feature album. Now, as I said, Sonny Stitt recorded uh, prolifically. Uh, he was one of the most widely recorded artists in jazz music. By the way, he was born uh, in Boston, February 2nd. 1924. I'm proud to say he was an Aquarian, just like me. <laughs> and he, he sadly died. He was only 58 when he died of cancer, July 22nd, 1982, 
at his home in Washington, D.C. Sonny Stitt, what a, an amazing musician. He was, every jazz musician that was ever interviewed um, about who their favorite players were, um, always mentioned Sonny Stitt. You had, John Coltrane was interviewed, and he, uh, he put Stitt right up there uh, as being one of his major influences. Sonny Rollins did the same thing. Stan Getz, all these great saxophone players, they all loved Sonny Stitt. And um, it's sad to say that the, uh, the critics uh, and continued with this um, imitator thing throughout his career, and it must have been very, very frustrating for Sonny. Now, we go back to this recording. As I said, he made scads of recordings, and some of his recordings were kind of loose and, and very casual. This recording, he was particularly inspired. And when Sonny Stitt was inspired, you're going to hear some great music. And this was a semi-working band that, that Sonny had together. Um, he occasionally used a piano player from Philadelphia named Dolo Coker, who ended up on the West Coast. But he also used a young man, another young man from Philadelphia, by the name of Bobby Timmons, who went on to great fame with uh, Art Blakey. And uh, we're going to hear Bobby Timmons on this recording, along with uh, Edgar Willis on bass. Now, a lot of people don't know about Edgar Willis, a very, very fine bass player. He ended up working with Ray Charles for many, many years. A solid, swinging, wonderful bass player. And on drums, a young drummer uh, who um, apprenticed on the West Coast and uh, moved to New York City. Um, and he was lucky enough to be married at the time to Nancy Wilson, one of the most beautiful women in the world and one of the greatest jazz singers as well. Kenny Dennis is the drummer. So this, with this little band, Bobby Timmons at the piano, Edgar Willis on bass, and Kenny Dennis on drums, Sonny Stitt is in extremely inspired form on this date, which took place in New York City in May of 1957. We're going to hear 11 tunes on this album. The album is called Personal Appearance, and it got very high critical ratings. It got five stars in Downbeat magazine, and people raved about this album as being one of the very best Sonny Stitt albums, and close to the truth. Now, I remember um, talking to Sonny Stitt um, in Seattle, where he was uh, uh, playing, and uh, we had a we had a really great ch chat. And and I said, um, you know, uh, Sonny, one of my favorite albums is his personal appearance. And he says, you like that, eh? And I said, yes. I said that's one of my favorite albums. He said, you know what? It's one of mine too. He said, I really like the way I played on that. <laughs> so there you go. So uh, approval from the artists that did it. Anyway, we're going to get to the album right now. We, we open with Sonny Stitt on alto saxophone playing the Cole Porter tune, Easy to Love. And uh, then he switches to the larger tenor saxophone for the next tune called Easy Living, which uh, was a great tune that Billie Holiday made famous. Back to the alto again for one of my favorite versions of uh, the tune Autumn in New York, written by Vernon Duke. 
And uh, then another great tune that I like back to tenor again, You'd Be So Nice to Come Home to, Cole Porter's tune. And then some blues uh, by Sonny Stitt on tenor, and it's called Simply For Some Friends. Then we go to a, another great uh, standard tune that Stitt loved to play, I Never Knew, t- on tenor. And another wonderful standard tune called Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea on tenor saxophone. And then a great tune called East of the Sun and West of the Moon. That was a standard tune that uh, Charlie Parker loved. Then we go to one where he plays both horns on the same tune. And this is a killer track. And it's called simply Original, based on the progressions of I Got Rhythm. Alto saxophone for tune number 10, a great old, old standard called Avalon. It was made famous by Al Jolson. And the final tune is a blues on alto saxophone, aptly titled tune called Blues Greasy. Sonny Snit on alto and tenor saxophone. Bobby Timmons on piano, Edgar Willis on bass, Kenny Dennis on drums, and our jazz feature, Personal Appearance.
There it is, ladies and gentlemen, our jazz feature this evening. This incredible recording by one of the most prolific and amazing saxophone players ever to grace this planet, Sonny Stitt. And as I mentioned before, uh, Sonny was born in Boston, February 2nd, 1924, and passed away at uh, age 58 from cancer, July 22nd, 1982, and we lost one of the greats. We heard Sonny on both alto and tenor saxophones. He was, he was equally proficient on both of those instruments, and they expressed um, different aspects of his musical personality. And, of course, Sonny uh, knew thousands of tunes. And um, when he composed um, his original compositions, they were mostly simple blues um, pieces or um, blues or um, tunes that were based on uh, uh, George Gershwin's I Got Rhythm. And uh, he pretty well made up the, uh, the tune right on the spot. And, uh, but mostly he, he played every conceivable uh, standard and uh, knew all those tunes in every key, whatever. Um, amazing. This particular album is considered one of his best and also got very, very high critical ratings as well. Um, and it got, uh, you know, I remember in Downbeat Magazine, they gave it five stars and said this was one of the very best Sonny Stitt albums. And it really is at the top of uh, a lot of people's lists. Um, Sonny recorded prolifically. And uh, this album is often listed as uh, right on top. And as I mentioned in the preamble, uh, I remember talking, I had a lengthy conversation with Sonny Stitt um, when he was in Seattle. And... Um, I talked about this album uh, with him. I just said, uh, I just casually mentioned, I said, you know, the, the album Personal Appearance, I know you did this a long time ago, but I said, it's, it really is one of my favorites. And he said, you like that album, hey, man? And I said, yeah, I do. I listen to it a lot. And um, he said, well, I like it too. It's one of my favorites. So I thought, well, <laughs> at least we we agree on this. This is this is great, and I think uh, after hearing that, if you've never heard this album before and uh, liked what Sonny Stitt is, does, um, might be one of your favorites too. Anyway, uh, we heard Mr. Stitt playing alto and tenor saxophone, backed up by the young Bobby Timmons on piano who, of course, went on to play uh, many years with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers and composed some great tunes. And a wonderful bass player, kind of uh, overlooked. Um, a lot of people don't know uh, Edgar Willis on bass. And Edgar, of course, was one of the mainstays in Ray Charles' band for many, many years. Very, very fine bass player. And on drums, a young man who uh, had moved from the West Coast to the East Coast and was... Uh, the lucky husband of uh, singer Nancy Wilson at the time. And I'm talking about Kenny Dennis was the drummer on this date. All of this was recorded one afternoon, May the 12th, 1957, in New York City, and originally um, issued on Verve Records, and the album, of course, was called Personal Appearance. We heard 11 tunes, 
And we began with Sonny Stitt on alto saxophone playing Cole Porter's Easy to Love. Then he switched to the bighorn, the tenor, for Easy Living, a great tune um, that Billie Holiday made famous. And then a wonderful version of Vernon Duke's Autumn in New York, back on the alto again. And then for um, the next few tunes, he stuck with the tenor saxophone. Uh, You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To, another great Cole Porter tune. Uh, a blues by Stitt called For Some Friends. And then a nice up-tempo tune written by Johnny Mercer called I Never Knew. And then another fine tune called Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea written by Harold Arland and Ted Kohler. And then a tune that uh, Charlie Parker um, put on the map, the jazz map anyway, by Bob Bowman, a tune called East of the Sun and West of the Moon. And then an amazing up-tempo tune based on I Got Rhythm called Original with a question mark. And Sonny played both alto and tenor saxophone on that tune. Virtuoso performance. And, of course, stuck with the alto for the final two tunes of the date. We heard a tune associated with Al Jolson. He was uh, one of the co-composers of that tune, an old tune called Avalon, taken way up. And then finally the blues, Sonny Stitt's own Blues Greasy. So that was the album, and I certainly hope you enjoyed our jazz feature this evening. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're here every Monday night with some of the very best in jazz music. And uh, we'll be back with our tribute to one of the great pioneers of modern jazz. I'm talking about trombonist J.J. Johnson, who's celebrating a birthday anniversary today. And we're going to be playing some uh, choice recordings by J.J. Johnson, and we'll tell you a little more about them and him after we hear these important messages. You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name, Gavin Walker. There's only one way that old clunker is going to make you feel good again. Donate it to Bullying Canada. Check this out. Free towing or pickup of your old vehicle. A tax-deductible receipt. And a super easy process. Online at bullyingcanada.ca. Get rid of that old vehicle and feel good about supporting real solutions for change in your community. Donate your old or used vehicle to Bullying Canada today. Full details online at bullyingcanada.ca. The Vancouver International Mountain Film Festival has an inspiring program of local and international outdoor adventure films and world-class athletes and speakers, including climbers, skiers, mountain bikers, and environmental activists. There will be music, door prizes, Q&As with directors, and live presentations about mountain culture and sports. All this is happening at the Freddie Wood Theatre on UBC campus and at seven other venues around Vancouver from February 9th to 17th. For more information, visit vimff.org. J.J. Johnson. James Lewis Johnson, 
That was his birth name, and of course he legally changed it to J.J., and of course uh, was known um, by that name throughout his career. He was born January 22nd, today, in 1924, in Indianapolis, and died there age 77, February 4th, 2001. J.J. was an amazing musician, and of course he was considered, uh, you know, when we think of Charlie Parker um, being the pioneer of the modern jazz alto saxophone or Dizzy Gillespie being the pioneer of the trumpet or Bud Powell on piano, we think of J.J. Johnson as being one of the pioneers of the trombone. And he brought that um, somewhat unwieldy instrument into modern jazz. And, of course, a lot of people... Uh, when they first heard J.J., he, his technique was prodigious. And um, when a lot of people heard him, they, they, they couldn't believe that a trombone could be played that fast. And uh, it was <laughs> quite amazing. But, uh, of course, J.J. now uh, is such a huge influence on trombone players. Um, all kinds of people that play that instrument uh, acknowledge J.J. Johnson as being uh, their mentor, uh, younger players like Vincent Gardner, and uh, of course older players that are still around like Curtis Fuller and so on. J.J. Um, Johnson was really the voice of modern jazz trombone. So we're going to pay tribute to J.J. and some recordings. Interestingly enough, this one is from a live date, which was done in London, England, at, in concert, in 1964, and this is uh, the J.J. Johnson All-Stars, and our jazz feature artist is on here. Uh, interestingly enough, J.J. and Sonny Stitt had a long musical relationship, and um, Sonny was part of this uh, All-Star band, which uh, performed uh, in London on this uh, a uh, particular concert date, and we're going to hear a composition by Charlie Parker. The people involved here, J.J. on trombone, and, of course, he's the leader. Um, Howard McGee, wonderful trumpet player who sounds great on here, and uh, Howard was one of the early modern jazz trumpet players, and Sonny Stitt on alto saxophone, Walter Bishop Jr. on piano, who was... Uh, for many years, Charlie Parker's uh, piano player, and Tommy Potter on bass, and the late, great Kenny Clark on drums. So we're going to play um, a composition, Charlie Parker composition, uh, from this London concert, and uh, we're going to hear the voice of J.J. Johnson introduce the band. So we take you to London in 1964. Thank you very much. And before we play our tribute to Charlie Parker, I'd like to have you meet my friends and co-workers. On piano, Walter Bishop. <laughs> On bass, Tommy Potter. On drums, Monsieur Kenny Clark. 
on the trumpet, Howard McGee. And on the alto saxophone, Mr. Alto Saxophone, Sonny Stitt. And for our first selection, we'd like to play a Charlie Parker composition entitled Buzzy. Wait a minute. He introduced me already. Ha <laughs> ha! 
with J.J. Johnson All-Stars, recorded in London in 1964. And, of course, we heard the spoken introduction by J.J. Johnson himself, and uh, that featured um, Howard McGee on trumpet, Sonny Stitt, as J.J. referred to him, Mr. Alto Saxophone, and Walter Bishop Jr. on piano, one of my favorites, one of the most hardest swinging piano players, Tommy Potter on bass, Kenny Clark on drums, and of course, J.J. Johnson on trombone, the gentlemen were paying tribute to an all-star recording. And uh, we're going to have a couple of uh, announcements, and then we'll be back with some more uh, in our tribute to this uh, great musician, J.J. Johnson, from uh, one of my all-time favorite albums by J.J., an album that he did um, in New York City in 1964, entitled Proof Positive, and uh, an incredible recording, beautifully recorded as well. So uh, we're going to hear that in a very few moments. But uh, we have a couple of messages for you, and we'll be right back. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR. My name's Gavin Walker, and of course CITR broadcasts from the unceded Musqueam Territory, right out here at the University of British Columbia. We're on FM 101.9, and we're also on your computer for live streaming, www.citr.ca. Don't you put it in your mouth. Don't you bite it in your mouth. Don't you stuff it in your face. Don't stuff it in your face. Though it might look good to eat. Though it might look good to eat. And it might look good to taste. And it might look good to taste. You could get sick. Yuck. Real quick. Yuck. Real sick. Real. CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. Don't put it in your mouth. Put it in your ear. Don't you put it in your mouth, uh-uh. Till you ask someone you love. That's right, sis. If it's okay to eat, if it's okay to eat like a muck. You're a member of CITR and Discorder, but are you a true friend? Get a Friends of CITR and Discorder card for $20 for discounts in Hastings Sunrise at Beat Street Records, Bomber Brewing, Community Vintage and Thrift, Community Thrift and Vintage, Pandora's Box Rehearsal Studios, Red Cat Records, and Selectors Records.
Well, always a controversial topic, uh, <laughs> of course, is the weather in Vancouver. Uh, we, we still, I think, you know, have the finest weather <laughs> in all of Canada, despite the weekend windstorm, which kind of uh, upset a whole bunch of stuff, power outages and things like that. We do get these kind of windstorms. We get a few of them every year. And, of course, uh, with all, always the same results. And, of course, we have to congratulate uh, all those folks that work for BC Hydro to get people's power back. That's very important. And uh, they did. Uh, I think in, in most cases, I think it's almost uh, back to normal now. But um, we still have uh, incredibly warm weather here. We haven't had uh, any real signs, at least in Vancouver, of, uh, of, of winter uh, which means snow and ice and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, there's lots of wonderful snow up on the mountains, and uh, everybody's enjoying that, I am sure, those of you that are into uh, winter sports. Anyway, the um, weather forecast for the week um, <laughs> is very little sunshine. We did get some today. It was actually quite nice. And uh, um, even earlier this evening, you could see that big crescent moon out there. It was really nice, clear sky. But unfortunately, it's going to cloud over, and periods of rain are going to happen overnight. We're going to go down to about 4 degrees. And then for the rest of the week, uh, really, it's going to be raining all week. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And temperatures are going to hover between... Uh, lows of 2 and highs around 6, 7, or 8. So that, that kind of variation in temperature, that's about it. And rain for every day of the week. So <laughs> without further ado, that's the forecast. So, you know, maybe there might be the odd break here and there. It'd be very nice. However, that's kind of normal weather for this time of year. And uh, at least we're not getting... Uh, that uh, scary weather here, uh, with the exception of the wind, of course, that happened. But that's all over now, and uh, things are back to uh, as normal as possible. <laughs> right? Okay. Back to music. J.J. Johnson. This is a, a marvelous album. Uh, it was recorded for Impulse Records um, May the 1st, 1964. And I think before J.J. went... Uh, over to uh, England with that all-star band that we that we just finished listening to. This is um, was a working band that J.J. had, a quartet, with the great Harold Mayburn on piano, who is still very much with us. Harold Mayburn, he's in his 80s, and he's still uh, one of the great forces of nature, great piano player. Uh, a young man, Arthur Harper, on bass, and an old friend of mine, Frank Gant on drums, originally from Detroit. This is a tune that J.J. Uh, J.J. did a, a short tour with Miles Davis's band, uh, and I happened to hear that band live. They, they, um, uh, J.J. was added uh, to Miles' group when he had um, Miles Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, Winton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. And uh, J.J. did a short tour um, uh, with Miles. And unfortunately, that band never made any records. But after J.J. left uh, to do some things on his own, he did pick 
this particular tune. Miles Davis had stopped playing this tune, but J.J. enjoyed himself when he was with Miles playing this tune so much that he decided to record it under his own name. The tune has a uh, two, it was written by Miles Davis, and it, it's basically a, a set of chord progressions um, with a kind of a Spanish feel. And um, Miles called it Teal, but sometimes it was also known as Neil. Um, so either title works. And uh, as I mentioned before, J.J. loved to play this tune, and uh, he does a marvelous version Uh, on this album called Proof Positive. We're going to hear that and uh, a tune that was actually written by Max Roach called Blues Waltz. Uh, We're going to follow Neo with Blues Waltz. So we begin with this virtuoso version of this great tune by Miles Davis, Neo or Teal, whichever you wish. Thank you. 
two incredible tracks from uh, this marvelous album, which was issued on Impulse Records, entitled Proof Positive, J.J. Johnson, a man we're paying tribute to this evening. And because it's his uh, birthday anniversary, as I mentioned before, he was born in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, January 22nd, today in 1924. And, of course, uh, sadly died age 77, February 4th, 2001. Mr. Johnson, of course, was one of the pioneers of modern jazz and the pioneer of the modern jazz concept on trombone. We heard him with his working band of the time with the great Harold Mayburn on piano, Arthur Harper on bass, and Frank Gant on drums, and all of this was recorded uh, May the 1st, 1964, at Rudy Van Gelder's studio, and we heard the first tune was a tune that, um, as I mentioned before, uh, J.J. did a short tour with um, Miles Davis's uh, quintet in the uh, early 60s, about 1962, and sad to say that... uh, um, Sextet, uh, with J.J. added, um, never recorded, but I had the uh, privilege of hearing that band um, when they played in Seattle, and uh, of course that was a wonderful experience, and and J.J. was just in his glory in that band because uh, Miles put together such a great band, and um, J.J. had no responsibilities. He just simply had to play, and uh, that's what he loved. J.J. Johnson, of course, was a distinguished composer and uh, did a lot of uh, writing for uh, movies, soundtracks, uh, all kinds of stuff, and, of course, composed some of the most uh, gorgeous uh, jazz pieces as well, including Long Suites and um, uh, just some great tunes uh, like Kello and uh, Lament, um, so many wonderful compositions. Enigma was another one. Anyway, um, getting back to this recording, um, he loved playing this particular tune with Miles Davis, and Miles had stopped playing it um, after a time, and J.J. decided to uh, um, do it on this album, and the composition is called Neil or Teal. has two titles, uh, interchangeable. Anyway, it has... uh, uh, very kind of a Spanish feel, and uh, that was the first tune we heard. The second tune was written by Max Roach, and it's a blues, except it's a blues in waltz time, and it's called, yeah, appropriately enough, Blues Waltz. So we heard two tunes from this uh, album, Proof Positive, as uh, a tribute to Mr. Johnson. We haven't finished with J.J., We're going to take you now to the Village Vanguard in 1988, and this was his working band. This uh, same band uh, played at the uh, Queen Elizabeth Playhouse in Vancouver um, around this time, and uh, J.J. was leading uh, Ralph Moore um, on tenor and soprano saxophone, Stanley Cowell on piano, Rufus Reed on bass, and Victor Lewis on drums. This was recorded in July of 1988 at the famed Village Vanguard in New York, and we're going to hear um, three or four tunes from this album, um, beginning with uh, one that you should all recognize right away. I won't even tell you the title because 
you'll recognize it. The second tune um, on the set was written by the great Kenny Dorham, his most famous composition, and uh, J.J. And the, quin- and the quintet's version of Blue Bossa. And then a very interesting composition by J.J., which shows uh, kind of his uh, orchestral nature, and it's a tune called Doc Was Here. And then we're going to um, end the set with another J.J. Johnson composition based on Charlie Parker's great tune, Confirmation. J.J. Um, re- uh, configured it and called it Commutation, and that's going to be the uh, final tune of our J.J. Johnson um, tri- tribute. And all of these tunes are for an album that was issued on Antilles Records called Quintergy. So we begin with this tune that I'm not going to tell you the title of because you'll know it as soon as you hear the melody. Here is J.J. Johnson along with Ralph Moore on tenor and soprano saxophone, Stanley Cowell on piano, Rufus Reed on bass, and Victor Lewis on drums. Thank you. 
Wrapping up our tribute to the great J.J. Johnson. This was his working band, and uh, this was how they sounded at the Village Vanguard in New York City in July of 1988. And we heard J.J., of course, on trombone with Ralph Moore on tenor saxophone and also on soprano saxophone, Stanley Cowell on piano, Rufus Reed on bass, and Victor Lewis on drums. And we heard four tunes from this uh, album called Quintergy, which uh, was issued on Antilles Records. Not exactly easy to find, but uh, just an excellent representation of this uh, uh, Johnson working band. And we open, of course, with the Saints Go Marching In. Uh, then we move to uh, Kenny Dorham's great tune, uh, Blue Bossa, done with a little more funky feel than usual. And then a very interesting J.J composition entitled Doc Was Here, and Ralph Moore played soprano saxophone on that. And the final tune, based on Charlie Parker's uh, confirmation, this was J.J.'s uh, reworking of uh, that tune and his own composition that he called Commutation, and it featured, uh, of course, some great piano work by Stanley Cowell and uh, 
um, some nice drum work by Victor Lewis and the rest of the band. So that was our tribute to the great J.J. Johnson, who, as I mentioned before, was born on this day, January 22nd, 1924, in Indianapolis, Indiana, and he passed away there February 4th, 2001. And, of course, J.J. was one of the pioneers of modern jazz and the man who put modern jazz trombone on the map. So that's, uh, that's our tribute to this great gentleman of jazz. He was also a fine composer, uh, arranger, and um, had a magnificent musical career and was respected by one and all, J.J. Johnson. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or uh, live streaming. You can do that on your computer, www.citr.ca. And, of course, we're on uh, FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker, and, of course, this is The Jazz Show, a regular feature of CITR every Monday night. And a couple of websites that uh, you should... Uh, check out if you haven't already. One of the most important websites is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, which is coastaljazz.ca. And that's a very, very comprehensive and up-to-date website. And it takes you uh, all over the place, all kinds of interesting links on there. You can also uh, go to that website and find the schedule for Frankie's, Frankie's Jazz Club, which is uh, located down on BD Street, and of course it's uh, just opposite uh, BC Place. There's all kinds of uh, wonderful musical events going on there, and it's programmed by the great Corey Weeds, who we're going to be hearing in a very few moments. And uh, Corey does the programming of Frankie's, and they have uh, a whole lineup of uh, wonderful people uh, coming and going <laughs> at Frankie's, and you can check out the schedule. You can actually book a table. You can pay for it. You can do everything on the uh, Coastal Jazz and Blues Society website, which is coastaljazz.ca. And, um, of course, uh, Coastal Jazz and Blues um, is the producer of the big Vancouver Jazz Festival, and they have up-and-coming events happening all year. So um, that's a very, very good website to get onto. And another fine website is VancouverJazz.com, which is uh, administered by my old friend Brian Nation, and that is VancouverJazz.com. And, of course, that's a wonderful website as well. You can browse around and all sorts of interesting links on that site as well. So there you go, a couple of good ones, coastaljazz.ca and vancouverjazz.com. Now, we're going to turn our attention to a couple of uh, messages, and we'll be right back with the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire with Corey Weeds and Mike Ladon. I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. The holidays got you down? 
Whether it's pressure to make it perfect, tension with loved ones, unfulfilled expectations, dissatisfaction at work, or unrest in the world at large, maybe combined with winter weather and darkening days, all of this can contribute to self-judgment and guilt, sadness, and lethargy. It's a tough time of year, and psychotherapist Jeffrey B. Rubin has seven handy tips and tricks to help you out. One, connect with those you love. Two, have realistic expectations. Seek good enough rather than perfect. Three, cherish what you're grateful for. Four, build in what helps you flourish. Five, create healthy boundaries with loved ones. Six, constructively address family conflicts through empathetic listening and compassionate feedback. And seven, help those in need. Good luck out there, and I'm proud of you. Listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. We're going to turn now to an album by Corey Weeds and Mike Ladon. Mike Ladon, of course, is a, a New York-based um, pianist and one of the masters of the Hammond organ. And Mike is a, an extremely talented musician. He's been here many times in different contexts. And it was suggested by Corey that uh, they do an album of the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire, but turn it into a more uh, jazz album. Earth, Wind, and Fire, of course, is uh, just, well, such a wonderful and extremely um, popular band. It, it represents the, the really high part of, uh, of um, R&B music, and, and all of those guys in Earth, Wind, and Fire were master musicians, and, of course, um, very, very well-respected and great composers and, and all that sort of stuff. So um, Corey and, and Mike Ladon put their heads together and worked very hard to um, transform um, the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire into a genuine jazz album, and I think they su- succeeded. Um, the album has uh, um, been very popular on the airwaves across the country and across the U.S., and it was issued on Cellar uh, Live, and it's called Corey Weed's Let's, Let's Groove, the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire. The people involved here, Corey is playing alto saxophone. Uh, Steve Caldestad is on tenor saxophone. Michael Adon, of course, is on Hammond B3 organ. Dave Sekula on guitar. Jason Tiemann on drums. And on the first tune here, um, Liam McDonald is added on percussion. And uh, he doesn't play on the second tune we're going to hear, but we're going to hear two tunes from this album. The first one is called Kalimba, and the second tune is After the Love is Gone. Two hits um, by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and interpreted by this great band. So here, then, is Kalimba.
The music of earth, wind, and fire, as interpreted by Corey Weeds and company. The arrangements, of course, were um, kind of a collaboration between Corey and um, organist Mike LaDon. Uh, and Mike, of course, is based in New York City, one of the uh, mainstays of uh, New York City jazz. Wonderful pianist, but also an equally um, wonderful Hammond organist. And uh, the idea came to fruition, and uh, they made this wonderful album, which has been played all over North America. And uh, it's a, a very good seller for um, Corey and company and uh, the label, Seller Live. And we heard uh, Corey on alto saxophone, Steve Caldestat on tenor saxophone, Mike LaDon, of course, on Hammond B3, Dave Sakula on guitar, Jason Tiemann on drums, and on the first tune uh, added Liam McDonald on percussion. And the first tune was Morris White's Kalimba, and then, of course, the second tune was uh, another great uh, tune by Earth, Wind, and Fire, After the Love is Gone. So that was the intention, was to uh, turn the music into, uh, of Earth, Wind, and Fire, um, was the, uh, of course, being an iconic uh, rhythm and blues group and uh, one of the best of its kind, and uh, turn it into uh, turn their music into uh, more of a jazz album, and I think they succeeded greatly on this date. Let's Groove is the title of the album, and as I said, it's available on Cellar Live. So there you go. All right. We're going to move now to uh, an interesting version of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. This is the only time when uh, European saxophonist uh, Barney Willen was uh, in the band briefly um, before Wayne Shorter joined the band permanently. Benny Golson was, uh, or Hank Mobley had been the tenor saxophonist, and he was replaced uh, briefly for a number of gigs and this album uh, by Barney Willen, uh, who uh, plays tenor saxophone on here, one of the great players. Uh, um, Barney, of course, is uh, a French national and a wonderful player, and he's paired with uh, the great, my favorite trumpet player, Lee Morgan, the late, great Lee Morgan. On piano, Bobby Timmons. On bass, Jimmy Merritt, and of course on drums, Art Blakey. This um, album is actually um, uh, music from um, a soundtrack, and, uh, and, and bits and pieces of, of, uh, um, of this album were used in a French movie called Les Liaisons Dangereux, Dangerous Liaisons. Uh, you know, kind of a... Uh, uh, anyway, it was a French movie. And uh, uh, so... This was uh, not the actual soundtrack. There's only bits and pieces were used in the movie, but uh, we heard um, all of the tunes that are uh, contained on this album. And uh, this is uh, probably my favorite tune, and it was written by Duke Jordan and uh, entitled No Problem. Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers with Barney Willen on tenor saxophone. Thank you. 
Thank you.
We heard three tunes. First of all, beginning with um, Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. <laughs> okay. Um, beginning with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Um, and from the legendary French movie, Les Liaisons Dangereux, and um, music that was used in the soundtrack. And, of course, um, they recorded full versions for this particular CD. And it's kind of an interesting version of the Jazz Messengers because it, um, the saxophone player in here was a, the great French player, Barney Willen, and he played tenor saxophone. He uh, replaced Hank Mobley uh, briefly in Blakey's band and was only there for a, a short minute, and then he was replaced by, of course, Wayne Shorter. Anyway, th this um, track, uh, written by the great Duke Jordan, was entitled No Problem, and it featured Lee Morgan on trumpet, Barney Willen, as I mentioned, on tenor saxophone, Bobby Timmons at the piano, Jimmy Merritt on bass, and, of course, Art Blakey on drums. The second piece of music we heard was by the legendary Dave Brubeck Quartet, recorded at his um, alma mater in uh, December of 1953. And uh, he had returned there. Uh, Brubeck, of course, uh, by that time had uh, achieved a measure of fame with his quartet, and he was uh, an alumnus of um, what was then called the College of the Pacific. Um, it's now the University of the Pacific. And um, Brubeck made this uh, album there uh, with his uh, quartet, with, of course, Paul Desmond on alto saxophone, Ron Crotty on bass. And making his debut with uh, the Brubeck Quartet was their new drummer, Joe Dodge. This was his very first night with the quartet. And uh, the tune we heard, of course, was the great old standard, How High the Moon. And uh, everyone delivered on that tune. The final piece of music that we heard was by the late, great expatriate American trumpeter Benny Bailey. And uh, it was recorded in London, uh, along with Tony Coe on tenor saxophone, uh, Horace Parlin, another uh, U.S. expatriate on piano, and another U.S. expatriate on bass, Jimmy Woody, and on drums, uh, visiting London, Idris Mohammed, one of the great drummers in jazz. And that was a composition by Horace Parlin called One for Wilton. And uh, that was the tune we heard. And the album came out on Hot House Records. And it's uh, uh, Benny Bailey, of course, is the leader. And the album is called For Heaven's Sake. It's a great album. Uh, fairly difficult to find, I imagine, but... Uh, if you're interested, uh, you can go look for it. We're going to close the show this evening. We're winding down uh, toward the end of the jazz show, and we're going to take you to the International Jazz Festival at Comblay La Tour in Belgium and playing on this August 5, 1962 concert before the biggest audience he had ever played for was Julian Cannonball Adderley and his magnificent sextet.
Cannonball Adderley on alto saxophone, Brother Nat on cornet, Youssef Latif playing flute and tenor saxophone on this piece, Joe Zavano on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums. We turn you over now to Cannonball Adderley. He's got a few words to say, and we go into a great tune uh, that was a staple of this band, a tune written by Jimmy Heath called Gemini. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I have a confession to make here. Um, for the benefit of those of you who understand me, <laughs> I had a little speech memorized in French. However, I got nervous and I forgot some parts, so I decided to forget the whole thing. Besides, it was only a publicity stunt, you see what I mean? <laughs> because I don't speak French at all, none. Not even un petit. <laughs> we are, of course, very excited being available to perform here at the Comblain La Tour Jazz Festival. We've never played before a crowd so large as this one, so we are very happy.
that's the way to end a show. I certainly hope you uh, enjoyed that piece of music by Julian Cannibal Adderley and his sextet, recorded at the uh, Comble La Tour uh, International Jazz Festival in Belgium, August 5th, 1962. And we heard um, Cannibal on alto saxophone, Brother Nat on cornet, the great Yusef Latif on flute and tenor saxophone. And we heard Joe Zabinul on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums. And the piece of music we heard was written by Jimmy Heath and entitled Gemini. And uh, as Cannibal said, that was the largest audience they had ever played for. There was something like 40,000 people at that uh, jazz festival. Um, really, really amazing. Anyway, uh, The band, of course, sounding just marvelous and uh, reacting to the uh, enthusiasm that the, uh, the crowd showed the band. From an album called Cannonball in Europe. Wrapping up another edition of The Jazz Show, our final show for January um, next week will feature a wonderful album, really a, um, an album that... Uh, is one of Miles Davis's pivotal albums. It's Miles Davis and the Gil Evans Orchestra. The album is called Miles Ahead. And this was their reunion after many years of, of uh, not collaborating or even seeing one another. And uh, they somehow got together and created this uh, incredible album, which of course got uh, rave critical reviews and it's one of Miles Davis's great classic albums, Miles Ahead, Miles Davis, with the Gil Evans Orchestra. And it's quite an amazing document. We're going to hear that album next week on next week's jazz feature, plus all kinds of other stuff as well. Thank you very much for being out there on behalf of The Jazz Show and myself, Gavin Walker, and, of course... Um, Radio station CITR, FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. This has been another edition of The Jazz Show, and we'll see you in seven days' time. We are here every Monday, starting Monday evening, starting at 9 p.m. Take care, and, uh, well, get your umbrellas out and stay out of the rain. Bye-bye for now.
Thank you.